I love being on set and it is a lot of fun. And I, I don't know that everybody feels that way. Like if I can just stand on a set and watch people making movies, like it's fantastic. And that's kind of when you know you're involved in something that you really should be involved in is when you just kind of feel that joy just being around it. Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I talk with Dave Fairman. Dave is a filmmaker based in Lansing, Michigan, who summarizes himself as a director, writer, and editor on his website. He also has a podcast called Indefinitive, where he documents his journey as a filmmaker and has discussions with other individuals in the film industry. Our conversation ranges from Dave's current project to influences and overall tips he has for other aspiring filmmakers. Dave's website has the tagline, I just like to make stuff, hope you like some of it. So be sure to follow the links in the show notes to stay updated on the kind of things that Dave's making. I also want to take a minute to thank you all for the votes for Juxtapose Journeys and City Pulse's Top of the Town contest. I'm happy to announce that Juxtapose Journeys finished third in the Best Local Podcast category, which is a major accomplishment considering how new this show is. So from the bottom of my heart, Thank you so much for the support. It truly means the world to me. But enough about me in this podcast. Just sit back, relax, and get ready for Dave Fairman's journey as a filmmaker. All right, so welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me tonight. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So your website summarizes you as a director, writer, and editor. So we're here to talk primarily about everything you do with film. Can you start real quick by briefly describing what got you into filmmaking to begin with? I, I don't know about real briefly, but we can talk about it for <laughs> sure. Um, All right. <laughs> I, it's funny because I feel like a lot of people, or at least when I hear a lot of filmmakers ask that question, the response is like, you know, when I was eight years old, I knew I wanted to make movies or whatever. And for me, it was not that at all. Um, I always loved movies and loved filmmaking, but, um, I was going to be a guitarist. I was going to be, uh, uh, make music. I was going to be in a band and tour. And that's kind of what I grew up wanting to do. I got into audio engineering when I was in my like late teens and twenties and thought I was going to go to LA and go to audio school and, and become an engineer. And, uh, you know, was, was playing in bands and playing venues and everything really into the audio side. And then I was doing a program that, uh, went through all you know all kinds of different aspects of audio, and one of the subsections was about post production, which is doing audio for video. And there was something about that that I just completely latched onto, and it was I, I kind of realized I didn't care about engineering people's music that I didn't like, but I really loved adding <laughs> sound onto picture, regardless of how I felt about it. So um, pretty soon after that, I, I got a camera and. Uh, started shooting some stuff and realized that I actually loved this. So it was it was much later than the typical eight year old who sees you know Jurassic <laughs> Park or something like that. <laughs> no, so true. No, I love that story so much because I, I think there's a lot of truth to that for sure. I mean, I, I identify with a lot of that personally just because thinking in my own journey, my own path. Like I, I was big into music myself as well. I still am, but would just listen to a wide variety of music. And you know, I took piano lessons as a kid. I I 
started teaching myself guitar and drums and thought I wanted to be a musician as well. And then I started randomly getting into music journalism. So I started, Mm. you know, interviewing bands about their process and finding out more about that, reviewing albums. So it's, it's kind of funny how it all worked like that in transition because it was a path I never really saw myself on in the beginning, but I really grew to enjoy it and just love it so much. So instead of, Instead of creating my my own music, I was critiquing other people's music. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know whatever whatever path gets you to the thing you love doesn't really matter. Uh, doesn't matter where you start, right? Yeah, no, definitely. But no, I, I love that that journey into filmmaking so much. And speaking of films, I know you're currently working on filming your next feature, Kill Will, which, from what I'm gathering from your IMDb, originally started as a short film. Is that correct? Um. So. It was it was originally going to be a feature. It was always planned to be a feature. Um, Kill Will is kind of the working title that we had thrown on it. Um, mm-hmm. Back in early 2020, we had a totally different film that we had already set up and, and written and were ready to make. Uh, and it took place largely at a college campus. And we had a college that was going to let us shoot it there. And, and everything was kind of set up to go. And then COVID happened. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you can't make anything with more than three people in a room. And, and it just kind of changed uh what we could do the you know, colleges wouldn't let us on at that point. So we kind of real quickly said, all right, let's figure out a script that we can make that, that requires less people that could be set mostly outside that could be a really, really kind of function around COVID. And the plan was to shoot it kind of in that dip from like July to September, where kind of everybody knew there was going to be a little bit of relaxation in, in, in where COVID was in 2020. So mm-hmm. um, that was the plan. And then it just became too much to try to fit in that whole feature in that small amount of time while still dealing with the pandemic. You know, there's no vaccine at that point, you know, just too mm-hmm. many issues. So we decided instead to do it as, as a short film and kind of use that as a concept piece to say, OK, here's the short version and then use that to try to make the feature film in the future, which is what we're doing this year. Awesome. So, yeah, it was kind of feature, then short, then feature again. <laughs> okay, interesting, because that was actually one of the questions I had written down is, I guess, the overall process of how that worked, because, I, you know, if it was a scenario to where it started as a short film, like, actually, this would be cool as a feature, then I wondered kind of how that transition would take place. But in this case, it was a, it was always going to be a feature, but then it got... Um, put put to a short film and then back to a feature. So that's really interesting. Yeah, we cut out, we cut out about um, it was it was a subsection of the movie which was kind of like from the end of basically Act One of what became the f- the feature version, and then uh, through it ended up being way too long. Is is the truth? It, is, it ended up being like twenty <laughs> minutes long. Uh, but then it went it went through the the characters starting on their journey, and so the first. Uh, two thirds of it was directly from the script, the feature script, and then I kind of wrote on a uh, like a, a fake climax for the short film. So two thirds of it was directly from the script, and then a third of it was kind of created for the purpose of the short. Oh, interesting. Um, and yeah, just to give the listeners some context out there, so the plot for Kill Will can be summarized as follows: just grab from your IMDb. So while closing down a small town bar one night, employees Will and Annie are very nearly killed by two seemingly unknown men. Now forced on the run, Will must confront his past and protect Annie from the men looking to kill him. So, um, yeah, yeah, the the plot just sucked me right in and everything too. So I just wanted to give the listeners that uh that context as well, so they knew a little bit of what we were talking about. But how's the uh, process been going for filming the the feature length? It's been great. Uh, we it's we've got about um, I'd say about three quarters of it already shot. It's 
so we I did a feature film which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point but I did a feature film a couple of years ago and that was the first full length movie I did and so the whole goal with this one was to kind of try to take everything up a notch from production value standpoint so we had more crew more cast you know we we just we just tried to um expand everything that we had we had done on the first movie and i I feel like we've done that a lot we you know had some awesome locations we've had some great met a lot of new people that i had not worked with before on on this film so it's it's been uh it's been a lot of fun and everything is coming out great the footage the dailies the the footage that uh (laughs) that we've got shot all looks all looks really good so i'm very happy with everything so far uh we've probably got we've shot i guess like 17 days so far and we've probably about, got about eight more-ish, something like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was wondering where you're at with your uh, schedule with that. So, awesome. And now, where all have you been going around shooting for this? Because I know um, I know our, our uh, paths crossed when you were shooting in, like, the Detroit area. But have you been doing any shooting around Lansing or other areas as well? Yeah, it's been primarily around Lansing and, and then kind of the outer areas. So, a lot of the story takes place on a farm. So, we've kind of been using... Uh, some area, you know, Lansing's interesting because it's a city, but you get five minutes outside of it and it's cornfields everywhere. So, <laughs> um, so we've been kind of using some farm in the areas that are just outside of Lansing and then some in Lansing proper, I guess. And then we did four days over the, the days that we met uh, over at the Emerald Theater, which is in Mount Clemens. So that's on kind of the, the east side of the state. Yeah, definitely. But everything else has been pretty much around here. We Everything remaining will be around here except we have probably a couple exteriors that we're hoping to shoot in possibly la or atlantic city on one of the coasts to make it very 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 different from the midwest is is really the point that would be cool it's it's funny you mentioned atlantic city because i was just there in 2019 i ran a marathon there and that was my first taste of uh jersey in general i was just um yeah i heard good things about it and you know went went to atlantic city went to the boardwalk and everything got to really soak in the city and it was it was a good time it was fun so it was uh (laughs) really funny you mentioned that city i've i've never been it's just one of those uh kind of places that has a specific look that you can kind of uh, tell people where you are without necessarily having to do a whole lot of work for sure um (laughs) that's one of that's one of the locations and obviously la kind of does the same thing yeah i've heard someone describe atlantic city as an almost an east coast vegas which i think is kind of accurate in a way like i mean obviously on a much smaller (laughs) scale but they you know have the casinos and the kind of nightlife that way so it's yeah so that's a good way to sum it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We definitely wouldn't hit the casino. Yeah. That's that's definitely not the point. It's complete complete business, you know. <laughs> I was say, was there some hidden motive behind there? No. <laughs> it's, yes, you know, I, I'm not on a lie detector right now. So, <laughs> but um, now I was always curious too. The idea of Kill Will was originally feature length, and then it got reduced to a short film. But when it was in that process of, I guess coming from that short film to this original feature length, were there any ideas or or things that kind of came to fruition as you were filming? Uh, I guess, has that ever happened to you either with Kill Will or with another project? Um, In terms of like the story? Yeah, I guess, um, I guess while you're going through the process and shooting, is there anything that just kind of clicked with you to where you just wanted to either change something in the story or just manipulate something you originally had kind of written down for like an idea? Man, every every time, yes. Every <laughs> I think probably most filmmakers will tell you that the the day after filming, that in their head they go, "Oh crap, I should have done that this way." <laughs> it's it's usually minor stuff. There there were some things that definitely we learned doing the short that we were able to apply to the feature, which has been great. In that uh, we we're probably taking ourselves a little too seriously on the short, so it was a little. Um, 
uh, it didn't have a whole lot of sense of humor and it's not a comedy by any means, but like we wanted there to be some playfulness. There's, there's two main leads uh, that are kind of on a, on a, it's almost like a road movie, road action movie because they're, they're, you know, going from one place to another and there's meant designed to be some banter back and forth between them. I'm, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think on the short, it just, it was a little more serious and we were able to play with that and, and, and mess with their scenes to make their dynamic better, I think in, in the feature version. So that was, that was one thing that stands out that we were able to use that as an opportunity. And then we really, I mean, it wasn't a change, but we really liked the look that we were able to come up with uh, doing some of the stuff and then, and then kind of, take it and adapt it even further so the the director of photography travis hayward is my dp he's been great in, in taking the scenes that we basically now have as practice scenes where we filmed them once and then we can refilm them again and kind of uh <laughs> tweak some stuff that we didn't love the first time or that didn't come out exactly as we imagined for sure but yeah i think that's probably true on anybody after they get done shooting it's it's a it's a list of things that they could have done differently or even the stuff you love you go oh but we could have done that yeah, definitely. And I, honestly, I relate to that so much. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not claiming to be a filmmaker or anything, but even just within the realm of podcasting, I mean, you listen to the first episode compared to the later episodes. I feel like there are definitely some subtle differences in there to where it kind of ideas evolve or I tweak some different formulas like, you know, maybe I should try it this way or something like that. You know, I, I identified with a lot of that. And taking a look at your website, I, I see you also have a film red cedar coming soon so what's the the current status of that film so that was the movie that we were planning to film in 2020 that got delayed due to the pandemic so i have no timeline on it i have a mostly finished script we actually had started doing auditions for casting and, and had plans you know like i said plans to make it so it's it's kind of on hold until we can push it forward until they until the world is at a point is at a point where we can have a bunch of students in a room again and film them so <laughs> yeah no i i totally understand that and uh, now do you ever work on multiple films at one time or do you typically like to work on one thing at a time i typically only have worked on mainly one well feature film wise I, I when i was doing shorts they overlapped a lot okay but from a from a feature film i i have tended to focus on one or the other i would work on more than one if there was ever a point where i felt like my to-do list on one <laughs> was not was not burning because you had fires to put out uh so if if there was ever a point where it felt like i was you know caught up to the point to start working on another i would definitely do that and i and i think there's always a, a tendency to when things get hard on something to want to turn your focus to something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, whenever I've been either writing or, or producing or, or working on something and it gets to a point where it's like, oh, well, now this is hard because <laughs> we have a hard decision to make or or there's a story problem that we can't figure out or whatever, or it seems like, man, this is going to be hard to produce. We don't have the resources. It's very easy to say, well, maybe we should come up with a different idea. Mm-hmm. And so, so in terms of like, there is always a lot of brainstorming going on, but as far as like actually committing to producing something uh, I try to take one at a time at least right now yeah no and that makes a lot of sense for sure there's there's a lot of working pieces going on in there and I feel like it would just be a bit overwhelming to to juggle more than one at a time so I completely understand that <laughs> I mean they're they're you know if if I'm looking at an edit and it's frustrating, believe me, I will be looking back at the Red Cedar script and going, or maybe we can get this done right now. So <laughs> it, it definitely happens. But as far as like active work, it's, I try to try to hold off that that uh, uh, that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I completely understand that. And uh, you mentioned previously about just enjoying kind of different banter going on back and forth in, in some of the films that you do. So out of curiosity, what are some of the top directors who influence you? 
Top directors who influence me is interesting because I, I don't totally know <laughs> who has the most influence on me. That's a good question. I, I could tell you that, like, I really grew up um, watching, like, a lot of 90s action movies. Okay. So, like, uh, I, I, you know, I was really into, like, the Jean-Claude Van Dams and, like, the, uh, you know, Point Break and Lethal Weapon and, and all those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably where, the like, I like the, the banter between a couple leads and, and, and uh, funny action movies. Like, a lot of that comes from what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it was because of any specific directors or, or that they have specifically influenced my style because I don't, I don't know who I'm most like yet. Mm-hmm. But I know those types of movies are probably, I wouldn't say my favorites, but probably had a big influence because anything you, anything you like when you're 13, right, is, is what you are influenced by for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> uh, so, so a lot of those movies that I watched from, from 10 to 15 probably determined a lot what my sensibility and taste are right now. Yeah, definitely. And when I just kind of think of, of uh, I guess, banner and dialogue overall, the first thing I thought of was like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I would never say that I, I was a Tarantino kind of guy. So I, I love Tarantino as a, as a filmmaker, but um, I wouldn't, I don't think you would watch my stuff and think it was like Tarantino. <laughs> you know, I love Aaron Sorkin. I would never think that you would look, look at my stuff and think it was like Aaron Sorkin. To provide a little context, Aaron Sorkin has directed films such as Molly's Game and The Trial of the Chicago 7. He's also credited as a writer on The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, and A Few Good Men, just to name a few. I've admittedly only seen Steve Jobs from that list I just rattled off, so I need to set my game up a bit for Sorkin's films. Buddy's primarily recognized for his trademark rapid-fire dialogue and extended monologues. So I don't know. I don't know what... uh... (laughs) I don't know yet what people will, would compare me to, so um, I don't. I don't think I'm even do that type of comparison yet. So we'll see. Maybe uh, if there's a director who who tends to write longer dialogue than he should for an action movie, that's probably me. That's who you should compare me to, uh, or or someone who, uh, who who writes really long scenes, so their actors say this is too long. We're going to need to trim some of that out. That's definitely true. But I also think or hope that I, that it, it ends up being pretty decent dialogue and then hopefully some good stories to go along with it no for sure I, personally i'm always a sucker for good dialogue and character development i've noticed that's like a main thing i like in the films that i watch and uh, i mean once in a while I'll, I'll be in the mood for just like a mindless slasher or something like that but depending on the time of year and the kind of mood i'm in but i don't, I don't know that was just something that kind of stood out to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my the the mindless. I, I tend to gravitate towards the mindless action movies. So if there's if you put such and such assassin going through such and such scenario, if that pops up up on Netflix, then I'm <laughs> I'm more than likely watching it. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I'll, I but I I do love like some smarter. I guess sci- like like my favorite movie probably is like The Matrix. Okay. Like something that's like there's no sense of humor really in The Matrix at all, but it is just like visually stunning, and I you know I love everything about it. Stuff like like. Uh, I don't know, like The Martian, like is another movie that I really enjoy because it's got a sense of humor, even though it's dealing with, it's not sci-fi, it's science, but uh, you know, it's a bigger budget movie that I think has some good humor, but it's not a comedy, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It's it's funny because uh, recently I just watched uh, Scorsese's film After Hours, and I just absolutely fell in love with that one. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's it's one that just it captures everything that I love about all these different types of films. So it's it's got the thriller kind of aspect to it and kind of the suspense, but it's also mm-hmm very it's very funny in a dark way too so it's 
it's like a perfect balance in my opinion. And, and that was just one I watched recently that I just really gravitated to. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> Always searching for something new on Criterion. But yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, so what, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned since you started making films or things that generally just surprise you about the process in general? I would say that everything to, I don't know if this surprised me, but it's definitely true is that everything is going to take longer than you think. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is, uh, you know, everything is going to be a little more challenging. Your ability to, I'm not the first person to say this by any means, but like filmmaking is problem solving. So your ability to react to a problem is 60% or maybe more of what being a director is all about. You're never going to have a day where everything goes as planned. (laughs) There will be something that doesn't go as planned, whether it's an actor doesn't show or something is running late or you forgot a prop or whatever, there is going to be something that happens that didn't go as planned. And so your ability to not lose your shit and be able to, you know, <laughs> continue fighting forward and figuring out how to, how to solve that problem, uh, just one step in front of the other is going to, I think, dictate a lot of how successful you are. I will, I mean, this wasn't really a surprise, but it's kind of validating is like, I love being on set. And it is a lot of fun. And I I don't know that everybody feels that way. Like if I can just stand on a set and watch people making movies, like it's fantastic. And that's (laughs) kind of when you know you're involved in something that you really should be involved in is when you just kind of feel that joy just being around it and just being involved in it. And, and even, even the crappy days still, uh, you have a good time with it. So that that's been a good validation to know that. Yeah, definitely. No, you definitely said a lot of good things there. I think I think adaptability is huge, um, not only with filmmaking, but pretty much any aspect of life and being able to, um, for lack of a better term, not lose your shit when something goes wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. And yeah, that's that's awesome, too. Having that just sense of joy when you're on set, you know, you're definitely doing the right thing there. And I noticed that you, you have quite a diverse background, too. I mean, you've worked as a fight choreographer, craft service person, occasionally serve as a customer makeup consultant. <laughs> I mean, you're all over the place. <laughs> those, those, yes, those are my very sarcastic entries into uh, when you're when you're first starting out, you do everything. Yeah. So uh, I have I have done fight choreography, and now we can have someone who actually knows what they're doing come on and do fight choreography, so I should not be doing it. Uh, same with, you know, makeup and set design and everything else. It's uh, There have been things that when you're first starting out, you kind of do everything, and then as you build a team of people that you trust to make decisions where, where they can have an impact that's greater than yours uh, <laughs> is, is a wonderful thing. So now I'm lucky to work with a bunch of people that bring a lot to the table, so it's not me filling in holes if, if we don't have a certain person there all the time <laughs> no definitely that that was a big thing i noticed actually when i was on the set of kill will it's just that you seem to have a person for for everything and it was just such a well-oiled machine i felt like to where you know it, it just felt like everything just kind of had a process and no i was i was really kind of in awe of that of just the overall structure of it and how everything was constructed so that was a it was a really cool thing to experience <laughs> oh thanks thanks yeah it was those, those were fun days because it was a pretty big uh, as far as this production goes, those were probably the biggest days. The day that you, the day that you were there were there was one of the bigger days because mm-hmm. we had a, a lot of extras or or not extras but like uh, day player actors, and then um, uh, you know just a lot going on from a crew and cast standpoint. So yeah, when I when I hear people say it felt smooth, that makes me feel happy because <laughs> uh, people that are on set, the actors especially, should not feel what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I try very hard with the actors to 
just let them focus on the day on what they need to do performance wise. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, there, there are certain actors who have worked with me as actors and then they work as producers. And then, so then they see kind of the behind the scenes of all the stuff you're juggling uh, and changing and figuring out. And, and it's, it's like, now, now you're on the other side. Now you're, now you're seeing what we're, <laughs> what we're dealing with it. It's uh, the duck's feet analogy or metaphor or whatever is that, you know, you see a duck fl- gliding out of water and it looks totally smooth. And then if you look at the feet underneath the water, it's just like going like crazy. And so that's, uh, that's, what the the back end of of doing the filmmaking is is trying to make sure that the actors don't realize that we just had someone drop out and lunch is not here and we don't have hotels and all that stuff and uh let them focus on performance so that they don't have to worry about all that stuff (laughs) no i love that analogy and honestly like you fooled me because i if anything went wrong that day i did not notice it one (laughs) percent i don't remember anything specific that day but so and it's it's been a great production overall it's it's again those things happen every day Mm -hmm. so it's not because those things happen doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad day. Right. It's just those those are going to happen. Uh, there are bad days where bad things do happen, but overall, it's it's been great. Yeah. No, that, that yeah, no, so true. Now, and you may have already touched on this already, but do you have any piece of advice for anyone out there who may be a film connoisseur or wants to eventually get involved with writing or maybe even directing something of their own someday? Yeah, so if you're if you're a film connoisseur and you are interested in writing and directing my recommendation and again this is not necessarily mine or unique is do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) don't don't (laughs) let yourself get lost in that path of learning about it because you can spend your whole life as a student Mm -hmm. you know you can spend your whole life watching youtube videos and studying gear and reading books and doing all that stuff and that is all great and there's a time and place for all of that but until you actually start trying to do something uh you're not going to start moving down that path no amount of studying is going to get you to the place that you think you want to go and and you're going to learn more when you when you start making those (laughs) mistakes and doing the things than you will from the same amount of time spent studying or or researching or doing whatever so yeah so yeah I, i think that if that's your interest figure out how you can uh, get involved in something, how, no matter how small or, or whatever it is, and, and just kind of start doing it. Don't wait around for that opportunity to happen to you. Yeah, no, so true. I mean, honestly, this podcast is a perfect example of that because, you know, if you would have told me a year or two ago that I'd do my own podcast, I thought you were crazy. <laughs> like, I, I, it was a venture right. I didn't really expect myself going down, but it was one of those... I don't know if it was just deep thoughts in isolation with COVID or anything, or just because I was listening to more podcasts or just having some friends who went out and do it and just thinking, you know, I, why don't I explore this option? And then just kind of, I just went out and did it. And I mean, you know, I, I looked up a, a few YouTube videos or asked some people, but then the, to your point, the biggest lesson for me was just sitting down and actually doing it because you can, you can look up, uh, you know, tips and tutorials all day but until you actually have a scenario to where something goes wrong i mean it, that's gonna happen and the only way to know how to troubleshoot it and to get through it is to actually experience it and i mean even just the pre-interview instructions we're doing beforehand i mean i have those written down because pretty much all of those scenarios have happened to me at one point before so i've, I've been trying <laughs> yeah. to learn after each interview so yeah. <laughs> and, and it's and it's like any like a lot of industries it's, it's like you constantly have to educate yourself i'm not saying that's not important mm-hmm. for sure yeah but, but yeah you're not, you're not going to know what you need to look up if you're not getting out there and, and trying to do stuff you know if, if for every video that you watch about composition tips well then go practice your composition so that you understand how to do the thing that you're you're watching about or reading about no so true and, and yeah education is definitely important i think having that balance is is definitely key as well and 
Uh, speaking of podcasts in general, I, I did some digging on your website, and I see you also have a podcast, and Definitive, with the last episode <laughs> being released on December 31st, 2020, with you and Ashley Killips, who's actually the lead actress in your film, Debt, and you recap some of your favorite watches from 2020. And I imagine you've been pretty busy with filming and whatnot, but do you eventually plan to release more episodes for that? Yeah, so um, that's another, uh, I guess, pandemic-related story, is that we... I started that in early 2020 and kind of the goal was to meet people on the, you know, filmmaking journey and talk to other filmmakers, talk to actors, talk to people that were making stuff and just kind of meet them and get to hear their story. And I I think I batched about seven uh, recordings (laughs) in like February of 2020 and then a pandemic hit. So, (laughs) and at that point, you know, we're all thinking that it's going to be like two months. So I start rolling them out slowly and Mm -hmm thinking, all right, well, that's, this is going to end, so I'll be able to go start interviewing people again. I interviewed three people in L.A. and three people here, and then, uh, and then it just continued. So we ended up you know, pivoting a little bit and talking more about like our favorite movies and favorite TV shows and stuff like that than originally planned. And so now I've kind of put it on hold until I can really do it the way I want to do it, which, you know, I, I love talking about movies and talking about TV shows, but there's also a saturation of that out there. Mm-hmm. So I really was more looking forward to like meeting people and talking to people about their filmmaking journey, kind of, you know, similar to what you're doing, but more specifically just on filmmaking. I, I, I would like to revisit it. Ashley Killips and I have talked about doing stuff related to this new movie that we're working on. I'm sure we will do some podcasts talking about that process and then and, and, um, as it gets close to release. But it's something that I, I would definitely like to get back to. It has just been kind of put on hold until, you know, I want to sit across from people and, <laughs> and do it in person. So <laughs> Yeah, I know for sure. And I, I think more of that story, too, is I think uh, the pandemic threw a curveball to everybody, <laughs> myself included. It, yeah. I Just yeah. looking back on, on memories on Facebook and Instagram and everything, I remember at the end of 2019, I was doing this inspirational post and, you know, putting my goals for 2020. It's like, 2020 is going to be a big year for me. And it was a big year, just in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many things that got derailed time-wise that are, are really just getting back on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I, I'm, I'm envious of the people who really took advantage of the time because I do not feel like I did. I don't feel like I I didn't shoot, you know, some short film in my house with just my bathtub and me or whatever. Like I, I didn't do anything like that. So I, I really feel envious of the people who saw that as an opportunity and used it um, versus just trying to stay sane, which was kind of, kind of more my, my my approach. I know. Now that you mentioned that, I'm just thinking of I don't know if you watched Host. I think it's on Shutter. It's like a 50-minute film, but it's it's all centered around basically webcams. It's like a thriller. It's weird things starts going on. It's kind of centered around the pandemic, and you could tell it's like, it's like a pandemic film. But, yeah, it just made me yeah. think of that. That, yeah, that person, I guess, was clearly being productive with their time <laughs> during COVID, I guess, apparently. <laughs> Did you uh, – I don't know if you watched White Lotus on HBO. Uh, it was a ser- dramatic series. It was like six episodes, I think. It was, it was great, but they it took place at a hotel in Hawaii. And, and it was kind of intended as kind of a COVID production because they could all, you know, be quarantined there. They just all go there and they quarantine for two weeks and then they can be around each other. And that's probably the most brilliant use of the time I could think of is <laughs> right? just go shoot a series at a hotel, a uh, beautiful Four Seasons Hotel in Hawaii. So wish <laughs> wish we had thought of that. No, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because there was a program I randomly stumbled upon that actually I think came was started during the pandemic, I believe. But it's called like the Mover Shakers program to where you... 
actually move temporarily to Hawaii if you were fully working remotely and then you just have some sort of stipulation to where you volunteer a certain amount of time within the within the community per week and hmm. then you have a dis, uh, heavily discounted cost of living. It's a really interesting concept and yeah, they had a really good response. I, I applied for the program unfortunately didn't get in, but uh, a lot a lot of people were were doing that. That just made me think of that when you said going to Hawaii during the during the pandemic. While sitting down and editing this episode, I got curious about the Movers and Shakers program and looked back into it. Unfortunately, they're no longer accepting applications at this time, but I provided a link in the show notes to their website to sign up for their newsletter and get updates on future cohorts if this idea intrigues you. It's like, yeah, that that would be a, a yeah. good use of time for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. If we could go back and tell our past selves to do that. <laughs> exactly, sure. I know, right? <laughs> now, in addition to Kill Will, are there any other exciting things currently in the works for you? Um, I mean, that's the focus of my energy right now is is that film, and then there the Red Cedar film. Uh, I hope to get off the ground at some point, and then I have one other script that I have. I would say about two thirds written that I could probably get into a full working draft pretty soon if we if once we're ready to to make the next thing. So. No, nothing else uh, coming out anytime immediately soon, but uh, but those are kind of the things that are in the work right now. Works right now for sure. Um, do you happen to have a tentative release date for Kill Will? Is that kind of still kind of up in the air? Uh, it is still up in the air. Uh, my target is is next fall to have it done, um, but then we'd be looking for distribution and at that point, mm-hmm. so that could t- could be. Uh, you know that can take a year, or it could be a lot faster. So I, I have no no uh, definitive timeline at this point. <laughs> no, for sure. Okay, no, that sounds good. Now, is there anything I forgot to ask about you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins or anything? I mean, no, not that I can think of in particular. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess I I did my job then and summed up everything <laughs> you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are definitely the 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 major projects we got going on. I I mean, I I will say to, you know, people you you kind of asked about things to tell, you know, people who are aspiring filmmakers mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, I do a lot of other work besides just making films. You know, it's all in video space and you do, you know, I do commercial work and and marketing work and and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, I think people assume that uh, you're just going to jump into making films and all of a sudden you're going to make six figure incomes making movies and stuff. And it doesn't really, unless you like go to certain film schools and have the right pedigree, it doesn't always work that way. So everyone in that industry is kind of just making their way however they can. And I, and I think that's important is to not have such a, such a set path that you feel like you have to take. It's kind of like figure out what you really love and what you want to do. And then, commit all the time and effort you can to it and then figure out how to make it work. Don't set the parameters that I have to make movies this way. I have to do it this way, or this is the only way that's appropriate. It's kind of figure out how you can, how you can make it work with what your parameters are um, with the, with the stuff that you have available and what you know how to do. Yeah. So I guess that would be another piece of advice for, for what it's worth for me. Anyway. No, no, that's so good. And, and yeah, just being well-rounded and, and dabbling in different endeavors as well. Like, I mean, what you said, just, you know, doing filmmaking, but also being involved in commercials and other, I guess, aspects of it. It actually reminds me of a really funny meme. I'm in, I'm in this, uh, a 24 film group on Facebook and they, you know, they, they, you know, did, uh, they produced the, the witch hereditary, um, 
Yep. Yeah, Midsummer. I'm Love sure. Midsummer. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with a lot of their work, but I guess that was more so for the listeners. But uh... for for the listeners, <laughs> yes, they're one of the few film film distributors that uh, we all know the name of. Exactly. Uh, filmmaking community, so. <laughs> but no, people share share some really funny stuff on there. And there was this one meme, and I'm paraphrasing it hardcore, but it was so funny to me. It was something along the lines of "Give a man a movie ticket, he'll be broke for a day" or something like that. But then show a man to make a movie, he'll be broke for a lifetime. <laughs> for a lifetime, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely butchered this joke. Give a man a movie ticket doesn't make any sense. The meme goes, sell a man a movie ticket. He'll be poor for a day. Teach a man to make movies, and he'll be poor for a lifetime. You probably could have figured that out on your own, but I just felt like Chris Farley and Tommy Boy when he could never get the butcher joke right on a sales pitch. Anyway, back to Dave and I's conversation. Yes, It was so funny. It just made me think of that when you said that, you know, people expect to make six-figure incomes right off the bat, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if my wife gets a kick out of that meme. I'm not totally sure, but uh, yeah. yeah, you'll have to dig that one up and send it her way. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, perfect. So, where can people find more information about your films and anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah. So, I everything is linked through my website, which is just DaveFairman.com. On Instagram, I am at DaveFairman, and on Twitter, I am at David Fairman. I do have a newsletter through my website that I'll be using to give updates as. Uh, Kill Will's title will change so that was kind of our working title someone made a joke about make, made a joke about it as a reference to Quentin Tarantino movie so we've, we've been using that as a working title mm. and uh, it, it it probably will change but we'll we'll uh, make sure that's clear once we do change it but uh, if you join that newsletter we'll you know keep people updated on, on when it's going to be coming out no, that's exciting stuff. And I, I, I did always wonder personally if that was a direct reference to uh, Quentin Tarantino Kill Bill because I, 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 yeah. So I can definitely understand why people made that assumption. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it, well, and and it's not really, you know, it's not a spoof movie. It's not like a comedy or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. If it was a, if it was a comedy, I actually really like the name, but um, <laughs> for for what it is, it's going to change. It's just that we haven't changed it yet. And I, I worked with a distributor on my last movie and one of the things they said when we um, first were talking to them was, you know, how tied are you to the name? Because names can change a lot and people don't realize this is like the distributor might want to change your name. They might, they might say that, you know, this, this name is not going to have as good attraction as this one. So um, the more flexible you can be, at least in my opinion, the more options it gives you, because I would hate to not be able to sell a movie because because we were tied to a name that the distributor didn't like. So we're being a little more flexible with it this this time around. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And um, actually, I'm going to reference uh, one more film before we close out here that just came to mind as you were talking about that. I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the Coen Brothers film, Barton Fink, but it's one of my favorites that they've done. It's their, some of their early work. But I don't know, that whole idea of just, uh, you know, the the life of a writer and everything like that and things changing and, you know, getting, I guess, uh putting your creation or something like that out there, having it changed or getting backlash or something from it or criticism and depending on who you're working with or what have you, it, it all captures that essence really well, but not in a like dramatic way. It's almost like in a weird, I don't want to say almost like in a weird surrealist dark comedy type way. And it's a, uh, hmm. it's, it's a very enjoyable watch if you haven't seen it, but uh, it just made me think of that when I thought of just things changing in the writing process and, and just a, a, a just a whole ordeal and working with studios and, you know, whatnot. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> so cool. one to add to your list, I guess. But anyway, um, <laughs> but no, once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this. I, you know, I watched your film debt several months ago and was really impressed with the writing and editing and overall direction of it. And I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast episodes on Indefinitive. So I'm looking forward to eventually more of those uh, coming out as uh, I love any conversations revolving around film being the co-host of the podcast films of the void and how much I ranted about films in this conversation. I think that's pretty evident, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess that I should have, I should have probably, uh, I should have probably mentioned that as well. That the movie.com is our, is our first movie. It's been out for a couple of years now, but uh, if, uh, if anybody's interested in seeing stuff we've already done, that is, that is still out there. It's on Amazon or it's uh, available on our website. So perfect. I really appreciate you checking it out and I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy to, to talk to you. This has been great. Yeah, no, this, this has been good. And then um, something I kind of learned too, cause I think I tried to search it on Amazon when I watch it and I realized that there are quite a few movies either named debt or with debt in the title. So it was a little hard to find. So I think debt, the movie.com is your best bet to actually find the, the movie itself. <laughs> yes. Death, the movie.com or just my Dave, Dave has a link to all of it. So. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, no, um, great, great plug there. No, I, I really enjoyed uh, having a small part in kill will that I, I kind of mentioned previously, but all the listeners out there will have to, have to see that once that gets released and uh even even my brother joel's uh 1971 chevy pickup makes an appearance and and kill will so they'll they may have to be on the lookout for that yeah joel's <laughs> truck has been uh has been one of the unsung heroes with a movie that's been fantastic so uh and and your acting stint was phenomenal as well so uh yeah so i'm i'm very excited for for everyone to see your whole family uh <laughs> represented in, in the movie exactly yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna do a little like premiering party and like you know they'll they'll be looking out for me, and then I'll I'll show them the truck and stuff. It'll it'll be a it'll be a whole ordeal, but I'm I'm looking forward yes. to it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But no, uh, yeah, I wish you all the best in with your films and other future projects you got going on. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I, I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right, you take care. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. A link to Dave's website, social media handles, and other resources can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. Or you can find Juxtaposed Journeys on Podmatch and request an interview that way, which quite a few people have been taking advantage of. Episode slots have been booked for the remainder of 2021, so definitely don't wait to add your name to the list. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner, and music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.